0: Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Give you your Bibles tonight. Would you turn uh, to the book of Habakkuk? Habakkuk, chapters 3. And this is just the third part in this uh, series on revival. The first week was the individual, the second week uh, was the home. And this third week then is the revive thy work, O God. Habakkuk, uh, chapters 3. Just I want to, while you're turning to finding that wee book of Habakkuk. I just want to read that verse again that we read or we sang tonight the hymn and it says in verse 2, revive thy work O Lord, disturb this sleep of death, quicken the smoldering embers now by thine almighty breath. And you know as we come to this word tonight I know we're so familiar with much of what I'll say, it's not uh, in any way something new but It is just that expectation and that longing and that desire for an intervention, an intervention of God by the Holy Spirit that God would breathe, just breathe upon his work, breathe upon his church, breathe through the body of Christ, that he would breathe just suddenly, unexpectedly, but surely, that God would simply, just simply, but profoundly breathe upon his church. Brothers and sisters, a breath of God, a breath of God in a moment upon his people will completely and totally transform his church and revive his people and impact this world that we have never seen in a generation at least. And it's simply a breath of God. It's a breath of God. It's when God simply breathes on his work. It is not the effort, it's not manufactured, it's not created by man. It is solely God himself breathes suddenly, surely upon his work. And for the last 2,000 years throughout the history of the church, we know a lot of the times that he's done that. But can I also tell you? There are many, many hundreds, if not thousands, of times that we don't have books to tell us about it. Mm -hmm. We don't have the record on Google to tell us about it. But I can assure you tonight that over these 2,000 years, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, who has been given the task to sanctify the church and make her ready for the coming of the Lord, time and time again through generations, through the dark ages, through trials and tribulations and oppositions that the churches faced, Jesus said these words and the Holy Spirit brings these words to pass. I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is tasked with this one purpose. And I know there's different facets of it, but he is here to glorify no one else but the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he breathes, It is for his glory. It is for the name of Christ. It is for the glory of Christ. But in a moment, in a moment, and this is what our heart's desire is. This is the very purpose, if I could say this, and the heart and the vision of this work. And I know we're together in that, that just there would be a breath of God upon his people in Ballinahinch and across this town and beyond that God would simply breathe upon his work, breathe upon his people. And brothers and sisters, a thousand sermons, 10,000 prayer meetings could not even compare to a moment when God simply breathes on his work. And this is what we believe for, it's what we long for, what we pray for. We see the great need and we're going to read here, just in Habakkuk chapter 3, this is the prayer of the prophet. And so, I want you to notice that, because the prayer of the prophet Habakkuk, isn't it an amazing thing? The prayer of a man, the cry of a heart, the prayer of a prophet, that God has taken the words of that prayer and God has placed it in the canon of scripture for us to read it tonight. A man prayed and God took that prayer, responded to it, but set it in the canon of scripture, the infallible word of God, so that you and I can read his prayer tonight. The prayer of the prophet cried for <clears throat> revival. And I know that it's a subject with much debate. And I know that many uh, would say that they don't see scripturally the need for revival or that there'll be a revival well the reason why God has put this prayer in the book is for you and I and the cry of the prophet the cry of the prophet in his day was for a move of the spirit of God for a revival amongst the people of God And I believe it's there so that we can turn to it in times like we are living in, the days and the hour that we have come to, the darkness, the sleepy church, the the apostasy, and the society in which we're a part of, and the nation that our nation is a post Christian nation. That we know that God hears prayers of men and women that say, Lord, would you revive your work? Would you move again by your spirit? Would you awaken us in our generation? So Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, upon Sheknaimoth. I have heard thy speech and was afraid, O Lord. Revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known. In wrath, remember mercy. Revive thy work in the midst of the years I want to look for a moment if you would follow with me tonight at the person of the Holy Spirit the third person of a triune God it is a mystery the Godhead we know that we are shown in scripture that there is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit these three are one the Holy Spirit, Jesus, tells us, if you turn over to John chapter 16, tells us the ministry or the work or the purpose by which the Holy Spirit would come to the earth. And so if you turn to John, the Gospel of John chapter 16, I want to go through some scriptures tonight to the the, the dealings or the workings or the purpose of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16 and verse 12, These are the teachings of Christ on the person of the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 12, he says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot burn them now. Verse 13, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now, all truth is a person. That person is Jesus. The Holy Spirit will guide you into truth. All truth. That truth is a person And that person is Jesus Christ. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Now verse 14, we see the primary function, I've already mentioned it. Verse 14 we read, he shall glorify me. The primary function of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the lord jesus christ not to glorify ministry glorify works glorify churches glorify preachers glorify any of the activities of church life the primary function of the spirit of god the holy spirit is to glorify the person the lord jesus christ that's why he is here it says that he will show it unto you for sorry just go back there He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak of. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and will show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. We see here that when we uh, sing that song, that great song, and when we quote that scripture that is taken from, it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit saith the Lord. There cannot be a soul saved without the work of the Holy Spirit. There cannot be a body healed without the power of the Holy Spirit. He will take of mine that Christ is a healer and he will reveal it unto you. So when we come to that great miracle in our midst with Stephen, the Holy Spirit took the workings and the finished work of Christ and the atoning work, the healing work, and brought that healing to that uh, hospital bed and revealed that Christ is a healer. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord. So everything that comes, the enlightenment, the light on our path, the church, The day we're living in the dealings and the workings of the Holy Spirit, the ministry, it cannot be by any other means but by the Spirit of the living God. We need the Holy Spirit. But His purpose is to glorify Jesus Christ. That is His purpose, to glorify the Lord. And so He will take everything of the Father and everything of what Christ has attained for us and he will illuminate our understanding, enlighten our understanding, and bring the precious promises of the book into our hearts. And so we can read the book, but it is the Holy Spirit that gives the revelation and brings the truth to our hearts. And so we need light, we need revelation, we need enlightenment, our understanding being enlightened and brought into the deep things of god and the revelation of everything of what christ has for us we want to know the truth and we want it to be a revelation not just an intellectual assent, but a revelation to our hearts and the holy spirit is the only means that that can come a thousand years in bible school won't bring the revelation must saying you shouldn't go to bible school to say a thousand years and study will not bring the revelation it is by the spirit of god illuminating our hearts that the promises of god are yea and amen in him and so the spirit of god will bring those truths to us and bring them to our hearts a little while verse 16 and ye shall not see me again a little while and ye shall see me because i go to the father and so now we see We see here as the earthly ministry of Christ would come to completion, the finished work of Christ on the cross. We know we've been told that Christ must go. He tells us that he must go as expedient for him to go, because if he will not go, then the Holy Spirit will not come. So in glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ, looking at the person of the Holy Spirit in the salvation of souls that when he saves us when you were saved jesus christ is glorified because there was a soul that was held down held captive by the power of satan and the holy spirit through repentance and faith in jesus breaks into our life we're born of the spirit and jesus christ is glorified and that is the working of the holy spirit so these two areas i want to look at for a moment jesus is glorified by the holy spirit and there's two primary functions now i know there's a whole lot more in in the workings and the gifts and the operations of the spirit but the two main functions number one the saving of souls john chapter 16 and just a few verses back verse 7 then it says there nevertheless jesus speaking Again he says, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send them unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin because they believe not of on me, of righteousness because I go to my father and ye see me no more, and of judgment Because the prince of this world is judged. So we see the function and the operation of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. There isn't a person in this room that saved, wasn't convicted of their sin. We are convicted of sin, of righteousness, of the judgment to come. And when we were born of the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ is glorified in your life. Praise God, it's a work of the Holy Spirit that you're saved by the grace of God. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in redeeming you. So as we walk and live our lives, Christ is glorified in our hearts, in our lives as we walk in this world because we are the children of God. And so we see the dealings of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in glorifying Jesus through the salvation of souls. The second great truth of the work of the Holy Spirit and the glory of Christ, to glorify Christ, is found in John chapter 17 and verse 15. These are two great works of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know there's other functions of the Holy Spirit. It's not solely that, but here's the two main areas of the work of the Holy Spirit. John 17, verse 15. I pray... Not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. That's you and I. But that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So we are in the world, but we are not of this world. We have been born of the Spirit of God and we're translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear Son. So we are no longer, I know we live in the world, we work in the world, we do our business in the world, but we're not of this world. We have been brought out and we are children of God. And so, just like Christ, we are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. Now, verse 17 is another very important work of the Holy Spirit, whereby Jesus is glorified. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is Truth. So here's the two main functions that the Holy Spirit on this planet has been operating for 2,000 years. Number one, the salvation of souls. When someone's saved, Jesus Christ is glorified. Number two, and this is as important, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit amongst the people of God, His church, His bride sanctifying the bride of Christ that glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ and so this second work is crucial you turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11 I'll go through some verses on sanctifying or God doing a work in us to make us more like him and to purge us to purify us to conform us to the image of Christ all those words are incorporated in the sanctifying work making us ready for the coming of the Lord 1 Corinthians 6 and 11 speaking of what our previous life once was and then that's what we once were but then he says and such for some of you but ye are washed so we've been washed in the blood of Jesus number two and we are sanctified and we're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God so we see here that there is a work God not only first of all saves us we're justified thank God we're justified by faith alone it's all a work of the Lord Jesus Christ but secondly then there's the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit by the Spirit of the Lord God begins to work in our hearts God begins to deal with us God begins to conform us into the image of Christ. God will the Holy Spirit will begin to do a refining work, a purifying work, because He wants us to be like Jesus. Jesus is glorified when He sent when we're sanctified by the truth of God's word. Now in Ephesians chapter 5, just a few more verses in this. Ephesians 5 and 26 says these words. Ephesians 5:26 that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to himself, this is what he'll present to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So here we see the purpose of the Holy Spirit, that he would sanctify us, and cleanse us by the washing of the word of God, the truth of God's word. This is what we're washed by, the word of God. And the Holy Spirit takes the word, sanctifies our hearts and our lives by the spirit, the truth of God's word. Now, what is the purpose of this? Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. And the Bible tells us it will not have spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. So here we see the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, Titus chapter 2 and verse 13 again, just following on with this sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, Titus 2 and 13, that we're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and then look what it says and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works so we see here two ways that christ is glorified the two main functions of the holy spirit for two thousand years has been the salvation of souls and the sanctifying of the church of Jesus Christ, making her ready, purifying her, refining her, bringing her through, removing that which should not be in our lives, purging us out, making us more like Jesus, making us the men and the women of God. that we desire to be because he put that desire within us, and so over that the dealings of God is to sanctify his people, and the purpose of that is because when Christ comes, that it won't be a backslidden, dead, sleepy, filled with sin and wickedness church, but it will be a glorious church, full of the Holy Ghost and power, furnished with the gifts of the Spirit of God, ready to meet the Lord in the earth, and thereby Jesus Christ is glorified. That's our chief aim, is to glorify Jesus. That's why we're here. We see these workings of the Holy Spirit souls saved and saints sanctified that is it in a nutshell I suppose it's simple but that is the two primary functions of the Holy Spirit it is to save the souls of men and to sanctify the body of Christ now from the day of Pentecost to the present day literally thousands of times and most of them as I've already mentioned are not known they're not recorded in books they're, not, they're recorded in books in glory, but they're not recorded in earthly books because we've only had the technology maybe for a few hundred years, or certainly not the technology, but the books that have been written by men. But it is simply not possible for us to know how many times across this world that the Holy Spirit has suddenly moved in the reviving and sanctifying work of the Spirit of God to glorify Jesus To revive his work so that his work would go forth and souls would be saved. The Holy Spirit has moved uniquely in sanctifying power. And every time he has, this is so important. Every time he moves in his sanctifying work, this is what happens. The body of Christ is revived. Then souls are gloriously saved. It happens when the church is revived. It happens when the church is sanctified and purified and raised up. What happens at that time? If you look at what we're looking at tonight, the first thing that always happens in revival is the significant work of the Holy Spirit in sanctifying a small group or even smaller group than this tonight, maybe four or five Maybe a youth group like in Wales. Was there something like 17 of them? A young man, 23. Or maybe a group like Alexander Body in Sunderland who wasn't allowed to meet in the Anglican church, but they gave him a youth hall just down the road. And so some people met to begin to seek the Lord. They were, they were hungry for a move of God. They, wanted, they weren't satisfied with where things were at. And so when they began to seek the Lord, the Holy Spirit responded to that insignificant, small group and begins to do a sanctifying work in their hearts and in their lives. What happens? Brothers and sisters, what started out to be insignificant and small, suddenly when God has his way and people are stricken with the power of God and purified and God begins to move, then we read the accounts of history as literally tens of thousands of souls are swept into the kingdom of God even within a few months. And so we see the significance of the Holy Spirit finding a group of men and women, ordinary people, that simply want God to be glorified, their lives to be sanctified, And then through that small group, insignificant, often rejected, often mocked, often laughed at, all those things. But yet then God, by his spirit, takes that insignificant, foolish group and then he moves in all his glory and power because he knows that in that group, no one will get the glory but Jesus. And we see it time and time and time again in the history of the church. This causes the world to be drawn to the church. It causes her, as the church should be, to be revived and truly be the light that God has purposed her to be. The assembly becomes so full of the presence of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit That people are drawn, not by any means, but by the Spirit of God. Strange things, supernatural things, unique things, not things created by men. God simply, because the church is revived and the light of the church begins to shine. You know we're the light of the world. We are the light of the world. And so when we're sanctified, what really is happening It's simply just like the book of Acts. These men have been with Jesus. That's what the world begin to say. They don't say, this is Peter and John. They say, these men, these men have been with Jesus. They don't see personalities. They simply see Jesus. And that's the impact on the world. And habakkuk 3 and 2 we read it there but another translation says these words so that we just get what he's saying if you like in our language habakkuk prayed and said i've heard all about you lord and i am filled with awe by the amazing things that you have done in this time of our deep need How many people know we're living in an hour of deep need? I mean, deep need. It's really, brothers and sisters, it's a time of deep need. Begin again, Lord, to help us. He's asking for help. Lord, we've heard about the wonders of your glory and your power in days gone by. We've heard about the great revivals of yesteryear. But Lord, in our generation, we're in deep need. This is what he's saying, saints. We're in trouble. That's what we are. We're in trouble. Lord, we have heard about your great acts, your great work, your wonders performed, the miraculous power being unleashed, Souls being wonderfully swept into the kingdom of church, revived and full of the power of the Holy Ghost. We have heard of unusual days, supernatural, when God takes the field, when men are simply just at the feet of Jesus with tears and weeping and worship. But Lord, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. We're living in an hour of deep need. We're in deep trouble. Now, Lord, would you help us? That's what the prophet's praying. The prophet of the Lord said, Lord, we need your help. As you did in the years gone by. Because you do not change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is saying, Habakkuk is referring to the history of Israel. He's referring, Lord, we have heard about your great acts in Egypt, we have heard how you blew open the Red Sea we have heard how you destroyed our enemies and delivered us out of Egypt and led us through in dry ground, we have heard how our enemies were swallowed up by that great Red Sea we have heard how you led your people through a wilderness and across the Jordan and into the promised land, we have heard how walls fell and kingdoms crumbled at the power of God Lord we have heard of this now Lord, would you do for us and now friends all these thousands of years later we are looking back over 2000 years of church history and what we are seeing is time and time again from the upper room and Pentecost when the power of God came down and revival and the church rose up full of nothing but Jesus, full of nothing but Jesus, that's all they were filled with and we're going to the streets. We've heard of revivals in Samaria. We've heard of the revivals of Paul across the known world. We've heard of the great moves of the Spirit of God. When religion would crush the church of Jesus Christ. When all its fury, we've heard of men that rose up with nothing but the Word of God. And the truth of God. And the power of the Holy Ghost. And reformations would sweep the world. Revivals will come through Whitfield, Wesley, Booth and all the great mysteries that were sent out. We have seen a time and heard of it and read of it. And Lord, we rejoice in what you've done. But Lord, we're in deep need. We're in trouble. We are in trouble. So Lord, what's he saying? Would you show us your power once again? in your anger because I want to tell you brothers and sisters tonight the Holy Spirit is a person and the Holy Spirit is grieved the Holy Spirit is grieved he's grieved at the acts of men he's grieved at the laws that are in our nation and are impending in our country He's grieved at the apathy, the apostasy. He's grieved at the workings of the devil to divide, destroy, and ruin and wreck lives. He's grieved at the sin and the wickedness of men. He's grieved at the carnality and the sleepy church. He's grieved in his heart that in this day, brothers and sisters, that we have come to that we're living in, that our generation, that we've come to, with all its knowledge, with all its knowledge, is absolutely powerless against the wickedness of men. So he says, in your anger, Lord, he draws on something wonderful, something unique, and something awesome about God, because he's just, and he's holy. But the prophet knows, there's mercy with God Lord mercy if it was to mark or transgression who would stand the prophet knows how to pray what to pray and when to pray Lord we know who you are because there's no one like our God we know what you've done Your testimonies are true and your work is marvelous. But Lord, we come honestly, we come honestly before your throne tonight of grace and say, Lord, oh God, we're in deep need. And Lord, in your wrath, would you remember mercy? It is uniquely God, the Holy Spirit. It is uniquely him who is charged. To bring the heart of the Father and the finished work of the Son from the presence of God at the throne of God and to bring the reality of all that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. To bring the reality of his presence and his person and his power and his glory and his majesty and in a moment Change this whole thing at the click of a finger as it were that suddenly the church is awakened to the reality of Christ in the midst suddenly unexpectedly but surely he begins to work reviving the body sanctifying the body purifying the body Energizing the, the body. Brothers and sisters, I know we're living in a day, and present company excluded, of course, that men and women have got very smart. Nearly, you would say, they're smarter than God. Could have said it's even tragic that that type of mindset even in the church we're smarter than God we know better many would even ridicule the prayer of Habakkuk sad but they would but let me just go through some things with you tonight and I know you'll be in agreement because this is what our this is our heart but when the church of Jesus Christ just ask yourself or go through this with me mentally, has little impact or no impact on the world around us and the world is sinking deep and deep and deeper in sin, surely we need to pray the prayer of Habakkuk. When the name of Jesus and what a lovely sense of his presence when we were singing glorify your name in all the earth. But when the name of Jesus Christ is no more than a curse word, listen, no more than a curse word, we need to pray the prayer of Habakkuk. When the care for the temporary is more than the eternal, when the focus is more on the temporary than the eternal, we need to pray. When prayer meetings are and i say this in a general sense largely empty not only are they largely empty but they're dry they're dry when the church is no longer a birth and chamber but a waiting room for heaven we're in trouble when the church is hemorrhaging her use to the devil and the powers of darkness we're in trouble When Christianity is more to do with the outward and not the heart, religion and not relationship, we're in trouble. We're in deep trouble. When service to God is mere lip, when our hearts are far from him, when everyone does what's right in their own eyes, when the church are more concerned about entertainment than evangelism, we are in deep trouble while little demonstration of the kingdom is seen, but the activity of man is increasing. We are in trouble. When people spend, and this is true, more on pet food than foreign missions, we are in big trouble. When saints constantly murmur and complain rather than pray and seek God, we're in trouble. When unity is no more than everyone being in a building, rather than a unity of spirit, we are in trouble. When people can easily, easily commit sin in the church against the body and not even be convicted about it. Not even be disturbed with motives and gossiping and all the things. Just sit there and there's no conviction, we are in trouble when tradition is more than life, when knowledge is more than reality of his presence, when respectability replaces holiness, when the fear of the Lord is replaced with a casual arrogance and irreverence, when being popular replaces the power of Almighty God, when brokenness is replaced with hard-heartedness, when humility is a look on a face rather than a condition of a heart, we are in need. When the only time the church has its hand out is to point the finger rather than open its hand we're in trouble. When worship is staged performance, and I'm excluding here if you don't mind because I don't believe it is here, but when it's stage performance and not in spirit and in truth, when the anointing is defined as talent but not a yoke destroying power. We are in trouble when faith is replaced with works alone. When Bibles are closed, not because they're not open, but because there's no revelation. Worse than that, when there's no tears at altars, when the church, when her eyes are dry, when no one's willing to buy. When we become too smart, too advanced, too intellectual, we know too much. friends, when there's no tears at the altars, worse than that, when there's not even an altar. When there's not even an altar. And yet it says, and he will come for a glorious bride having not spot or wrinkle And Habakkuk says and I believe we would all agree with Habakkuk tonight Lord we have heard all about you we are filled and amazed at the things you have done and what we have heard but in this time of our deep need Lord would you help us As you did in the years gone by, would you show us your power again? In your anger, would you remember mercy? The Spirit of God. You know, the Spirit of God in the Hebrew, it's just a word. When you look at the word spirit, it's just a word. Ruach, I think it's pronunciation in the old testament that this simply means spirit or wind or breath that's all it means it's mentioned something like 370 odd times so if i breathe tonight if i breathe or blow that's just breath That's just air but when we relate that to the holy spirit it's not just wind It's not just breath and it's not just air. In this quotation, if you listen to this for two seconds, it tells us this. This word can be construed or should be construed as a person because it is a person. He is invisible like wind because he can be felt or experienced, but not seen. He is the breath of God, which disperses his life force, his energy, his intentions, his mind. He is Yahweh's spirit, which is omnipresent, but also can be directed in specific ways for specific purposes. He is not the father, the first person of the Trinity. He is not the son, the second person of the Trinity. is the Holy Spirit that manifests himself to the world in the world or which comes to dwell in the hearts and lives of his people he is the holy spirit he is god's spirit and when you read like genesis 1 and 2 where it's first where he is first mentioned the earth was without form void darkness upon the face of the deep and the spirit of god moved moved upon the face of the waters that's just not er that's a person when you read in exodus 14 that moses when he stretched forth his hand over the sea and the lord caused the sea to go back and here's that word by a strong east wind all that night there wasn't just wind There was the person of the Holy Spirit that blew open the Red Sea for God's people to go through. When we read of Caleb, it says of Caleb that he had another spirit. What was that spirit? It just wasn't wind or it just wasn't a different type of personality. It was the Spirit of God. When we read of Gideon and so many others, when it says the spirit of the Lord came upon him, or we read of David when Samuel anointed him in the house of his father, (coughs) the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord came upon David. When Elisha cried for a double portion of his spirit, it just wasn't, I want wind or air. He wanted the reality, the power, the presence, the energizing life of God to come upon him that he would do something beyond the natural realm of man. And do we not need to see something beyond the realm of man? Something beyond what we do. I am not... Criticize, I believe we continue to seek soul to be saved, preach the gospel, give ourselves to the sanctified work of the Holy Ghost. What I'm talking about here is that when we're faithful in those things, that suddenly and unexpectedly, God breathes on us. I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, Bow Street won't know what's hit it with the breath of God. The head Square wouldn't know what's happened if God breathed on that outreach on a Saturday night. And that Thursday morning, coffee morning with our faithfulness and our outreaches, all are essential and must continue. But brothers and sisters, if God breathes on pillars on Friday night, watch out! If God breathes in the Lighthouse Club tomorrow night, brothers and sisters, watch out! It's a breath of God. It's the spirit of God. We read of Ezekiel disclosing with this. When he was brought and many times we've looked at it, preached it, prayed it, cried, sang it, done everything with this chapter, but it typifies and tells us of where we are. When the prophet is brought and sat down into the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in an open valley. And lo, they were very dry. It's a very dry day. It's a very dry day. It's dry in the church of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I know there's activity. And I know in other senses, we are being faithful to what we've been called to do. And I believe that's important. I really do believe it's important. You carry on faithful in what you've been called to do and the purpose of God in that. But you and I both know, now we're living in a dry hour. It's dry. and So the prophet sees that they were very dry. Verse 9, he says, Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, Prophesy, son of man, Say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they might live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath, that's the spirit of the living God. Mm -hmm. That's not just wind or air. That's the Holy Ghost. And breath came into them, and they lived and they stood up and oh brothers and sisters in this generation our generation our day may the church stand up whatever the world's going to do they're going to do it men will wax worse and worse whatever they're going to bring in they're going to bring in but I tell you brothers and sisters oh for a breath of God that the church would stand up. Stand up. An exceeding great army. Do you know what makes it great? I want to tell you something. It's not the numbers. It's that the spirit of the Lord was upon them. That's what makes it great. And so even in this small company tonight. Lord. Surely. Surely. It's our prayer. Revive thy work. Revive thy work, O Lord. Surely, Lord, we've heard, but Lord, now it's time. We can't make it happen, we can't manufacture it. But, brothers and sisters, tonight we can take his word and take the prayer of a prophet, and he put it in the book for a reason. And we can say, Lord, just like your servant of old, revive Thy work, O Lord, Thy mighty arm. O oh, friends, what a day, what an hour, what an opportunity, what a moment, Thy mighty arm, make prayer. What a what a moment, what a moment it would be, what a moment. What a moment if even tonight he just breathed. I mean, think of it. All the apparatus of sin, all the works of the demons, all the governments and all the politicians and all the conniving and all the schemes and all God would do is breathe. That's all he would do, breathe. Lord breathe in us Mm -hmm. we pray Father tonight we just ask oh Father would you deepen the desire even within us Lord don't leave us to ourselves don't leave us to our own way don't leave us to our own doings Lord we come as your children tonight we love you and we pray oh God Lord would you breathe would you breathe on us would you revive us would you revive me would you come Lord would you just breathe in this company Lord we we cannot (coughs) except come with faith in our hearts and confidence that you hear and answer prayer Lord breathe in this weak company of people Breathe in every vessel. Breathe in every life. Breathe, O breath of God. Breathe, Lord. Lord, we are in deep trouble. Lord, we are in deep trouble. O God, would you breathe. Breathe upon us. Touch your people. Lord, forgive us. Our eyes are dry. Forgive us, Lord for more interested in the temporary than the eternal. Forgive us for more interested in entertainment than winning the lost. Forgive us, Lord, for just, oh God, being too busy. Lord, we just know the earthly things leave us dry, but only you can satisfy us. Lord, touch your people once again. Just touch us, Lord. Restore unto us the joy of this great salvation. Thank you, Jesus, tonight. Take a few moments to pray. Seek the Lord together tonight. Pray. Pray for a move of God. Pray for a revival. Jesus.